Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. This is a very special segment that I'll be running solo on Fridays. I hope to have them out earlier in the day for the future, um, but this is The Rundown. The Rundown is a weekly column that highlights some of the biggest, weirdest, and most notable events of the week in entertainment. The number of items will vary as well with the subject matter. It will not always make a ton of sense. Some items may not even be about entertainment, to be honest, or from this week. The important thing is that it's Friday and we are here to have some fun. Item number one, everyone you know watches Succession, but only people you know watch Succession. Well, the second season of Succession is over. It was good. It was really very good. And as you might think, a big rating smash for the post Game of Thrones HBO. Just based on all the tweets and articles about it. My God, the social media buzz and articles written about the show was, it was crazy out there. People really like Succession. Here's the thing though. Not all that many people like Succession, or at least not as many people watch it as you might think. The Nielsen's ratings are an increasingly silly and outdated measure of who watches what, when, but it's all we've got, so let's start there. This Sunday's big finale pulled in about 1.1 million total viewers. While 1.1 million people is a lot to stuff into one physical location, say, like a Burger King, it is also 150,000 fewer viewers than the Food Network had tuned into Halloween Wars in the same time slot. It's about as many viewers as Investigation Discovery had for a show that night called American Monster. It is almost 2 million fewer viewers than TLC had for an 8 p.m. airing of 90 Day Fiancé. HBO would dispute some of these figures, which, fair, when you add in DVR and streaming, and I'm guessing Halloween Wars isn't quite the same draw here, the estimates trend up a few million, but the general fact still stands. The hottest and buzziest show on television aired its huge season two finale on Sunday night, and the show even ended its previous episode with a cliffhanger that featured the phrase blood sacrifice, and there were dozens and dozens of articles leading up to it, and more people tuned in live to watch a spooky cooking show on basic cable. It's weird. I mean, it's okay. People should watch what they want. I'm not here to shame anyone for watching professional and or amateur chefs make pumpkin pie, but it is weird, especially when you compare the coverage of the shows. If you ever needed proof that you live in a bubble, hey, there you go. None of this is exactly new. Shows like NCIS and Big Bang Theory have been lapping big fancy prestige shows in the ratings for over a decade. Netflix just released a list of its 10 most watched shows of the year, and apparently 45 million people watched The Umbrella Academy. I watched The Umbrella Academy and it was it was fine. There's some degree of apples to oranges there just based on total subscribers, but still. I wouldn't overthink it. You'll pull all your hair out if you try to make sense of everything, and then you'll have a bright red bald head and hair all over the floor. Not a great solution. I will say this, though. This season of Succession was almost definitely the most everyone you know watches it, but only the people you know watch it, 
show we've seen in a long time. The last one I could think of that was close was Mad Men. Remember how wild people went about Mad Men? I used to joke that the show had 1 million viewers and all of them had WordPress accounts. That's basically what Succession is. It's the 2019 Mad Men. And it's a show about rich white people in the media business stabbing each other in the back. And it's watched almost entirely by people who work in media. I say this with love. Item number two, big week for lightning. It was air conditioners for a while. Television show after television shows featured accidents involving air conditioners. The Good Place killed a character with a falling air conditioner. Russian Doll killed a character with a falling air conditioner. Fargo murdered someone with a falling air conditioner. Even when air conditioners were firmly secured, they were dangerous. A character on The Leftovers fell off of a roof while trying to fix one and crushed the man he landed on. It was, shall we say, a trend. It appears a new trend is developing. This week alone, two different shows featured main characters getting struck by lightning while holding garden tools. I'm going to give you proof in a second uh, in case you think I'm making this up. Well, I mean, why would I? But first, a note. This proof will contain spoilers for both The Righteous Gemstones and Lodge 49. Um, you know, skip a few seconds ahead if, if that's a problem. So first, Gemstones. As his brother-in-law and family confront him about missing money and threaten to whoop his ass, Baby Billy, a.k.a. played by Walton Goggins, a 70-year-old preacher who had a hit song titled Misbehavin' decades ago, wields a pitchfork in self-defense when suddenly... Yep, so that's one. Here's another. One day after that episode aired, during the second season finale of AMC's Lodge 49, a good show, the main character, Dud, started digging a pool in an empty lot during a thunderstorm. I think you can see where this is going. Look at that. Two characters struck by lightning while holding garden tools, and neither of them was from the show 911. I did not see that coming. Not even a little. Crazy week, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe out there. Item number three. Yes, okay. That counts as a splurge, James Cameron. Okay, what was your last big splurge? Did you get the chocolate cake for dessert after dinner even though you were way over your calorie count on MyFitnessPal? Did you book that vacation to Hawaii you've always dreamed of? Did you take a day just for you to get a massage and relax in the middle of the week? That all sounds nice, but James Cameron built a submarine. Last big splurge, building a sub. This is the brief, uh, this is from the brief Q&A that accompanied his entry in Time Magazine's 100 Most Powerful People in Hollywood list. And, and I love it so much. It's so perfectly dismissive and so perfectly James Cameron. There's no explanation, no funny little anecdote, no humility at all. James Cameron used his Titanic money to build a deep sea submersible because James Cameron likes exploring the ocean. That's what he's about. That's what he's splurging on, his own personal submarine. Enjoy that chocolate cake, though. Item number four, something to think about. 
the universe exactly the same in every way. All the birds and the trees and the mountains completely unchanged. All the people you know and the people you don't know still doing the same things you love and or hate with only one difference. Ted Danson's name is now Dan Tedson. Give this one 48 hours or so to marinate and get back to me. Item number five. Well, now you've done it. You've annoyed Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant went to see Joker recently, and he left the theater absolutely livid. Can you picture Hugh Grant angry? I've been trying for a good 10 minutes over here, and I've got nothing. The closest I've gotten so far is him doing the classic, uh, well, you know, I suppose I'm a bit bothered Hugh Grant thing that comes across more charming than anything else. Try to picture Hugh Grant screaming and throwing a vase. You can't do it. It's impossible. Anyway, he tweeted the following. Am I old or is the cinema much too loud? Unendurable, pointless, at view cinemas. Well, there you go, movie theaters. Now you went and did it. You've annoyed Hugh Grant. You've annoyed him so much that he sat around bickering with the theater about the problem for multiple tweets. He even named the specific theater and showtime, and I quote, Fulham Broadway, Saturday night, Screen 7, Joker. But joke was on us. Two things here. One, I kind of love that social media turns even our most handsome and charming specimens into hateful Yelp reviewers, just so far as it levels the playing field for the rest of us ogres. Two, please do imagine being the social media manager from, for this theater, you know, a friend. Hey, how's work been? You're doing social media for that theater chain now, right? Yeah, it's been okay. Hugh Grant yelled at me this week. And guess what? Hugh Grant isn't the only popular actor who is livid about the theaters. Now, listen to how mad Ed Norton is. And I quote, If I had to say the single biggest contributor to people preferring to watch things on Netflix versus going to theaters, it's that the theaters nickel and dime on bulbs. People have no idea how many theaters do this. A lot of filmmakers and cinematographers that I know that have really started to look into this say that more than 60% of American theaters are running their pro projectors at almost half the luminosity that they're required by contract at all. It's the theater chains that are destroying the theatrical experience, period, full stop, no one else. They are delivering crappy sound in a dim picture and no one is calling them on it. Now, personally... I hope they make a movie about two mismatched guys who are fed up with their poor theater experiences and decide to team up to do something about it. Give Hugh Grant a gun. Take the whole system down, I say. Now, here comes Reader Mail. If you have questions about television, movies food, local news, weather, or whatever you want, shoot them to me on Twitter at Takiles. That's T-E-H-K-Y-L-E-S. Use the hashtag rundown. I am the first podcaster to ever answer reader mail on a segment. And uh, don't look up that last part. From Jim. How come there haven't been any good TV shows about heist? 
There might be some good foreign shows about heists, but the only ones I could find that were from America were both from the mid-20s. There was one that I don't really care for and Thief with Andre Brower. Both of those didn't even last a full season. I'm thinking a six to eight Netflix show would be good enough to get the backstories of all the heist crew and the details of the heist, but not too long. What do you think? Well, Jim, thank you both for saying something out loud that I've been thinking for years and for giving me another excuse to pitch my idea for a project called Clone Heist. Okay, okay. Picture this. Mitch Casino has a problem. He has a job ready to go, a theft of priceless jewels that will remain vulnerable for one week only. But none of their members of his crew are available. One retired, two are in prison, two got married and on their honeymoon in Paris. Mitch wants to do the job badly, but he needs a new five-man crew. And there's only one man on earth he trusts to do this right, himself. Enter Victor Oslo, a mad scientist Mitch encountered during a previous job. Victor offers Mitch a solution, cloning. He tells Mitch he can make five Mitch clones to assist in the heist with two small catches. One, he can only clone someone one time, which means that to get the other Mitches, they'd have to clone the clones. And secondly, each time he clones someone, the clone loses 10 to 15% of original's brain power. Cut to madness. Mitch has to try to get all these progressively dumber Mitches in line in one week to pull off the heist on his timeline. The dumbest one, uh, they keep locking themselves out of the warehouse. It's a whole thing. The show is basically a Ocean's Eleven meets that Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity, except it stars, you guessed it, Jason Statham. Have to check Netflix. And now, the news. To Maui we go for this um, for this story. In a contest that pits avocado growers against an arduous verification process, a Kula family finally learned that they hold the Guinness World Record for heaviest avocado. Oh, <laughs> so I definitely love a uh, look at the size of the freaking vegetable or piece of fruit local story. Tell me about this monstrous avocado. Did they make a huge bowl of, of, of guacamole out of it? I bet they did. Mark, Julianne, and Lohi Pukini received the Guinness certificate this week, declaring their avocado the world's heaviest at 5.6 pounds. They applied for the recognition in December. We were excited, Julianne Pokey said on Wednesday. But at the same time, we were like, finally, it was such a long wait. That's a big avocado. There are babies that don't even weigh 5.6 pounds at birth. Think of all the guacamole you can make with it. I'm sorry to keep bringing up the guacamole of it all, but that's where this is headed, right? We're going to make a huge vat of guacamole with an avocado the size of a regulation NFL football. I'm going to be pretty mad if, it, if there's no avocado guacamole at the end of the story. I mean, what else are you going to do with the thing? Knock out an intruder? And even then, you can make guacamole with it while you wait for the cops to get there. Mmm, evidence. Most avocados don't even come close to the ones found on Maui and Hawaii Island, according to Guinness. The average avocado weighs about 
six ounces. Yes, yes, I get it. It's a huge avocado. We're, we've covered this. Did they make a big vat of guacamole with it or not? Come on, stop burying the lead. The people have a right to know. People like me, I have a right to know. Julianne Pokey said their award-winning avocado wasn't wasted. We cut it open, made a whole bunch of guacamole, sharing with family and friends, she said. It fed a lot of people. We even gave some away. I knew it. 